You know, the best thing that anyone can do for themselves is get saved. I mean, really saved. Baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. Filled with the Holy Ghost. That's really saved. Evidenced by speaking in tongues as he gives the utterance. Because it's not until one really gets saved that one is able to begin to appreciate what God did through Christ Jesus. And when you really get saved, you begin to live a life completely different from the rest of the world. Or you should. When you really get saved, the eyes of your understanding are opened and you are able now to understand things about God that you did not understand before. When you really get saved, something becomes very, very clear in your mind. When you get really, really saved, Sister Minister, something becomes really, really clear in your mind. And what is that? That while the world lives in fear, you don't have to. Probably one of the most idiotic statements I ever heard was made by a president. And you know what he said? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. This is absolutely ridiculous. Because if I have nothing to fear, then I have no thing to fear. I fear no thing. But if I have no thing to fear but fear, then I have something to fear, don't I? Fear. That's like saying I'm not afraid of anything except being afraid. Therefore, I'm afraid of something. Being afraid. So if I claim that I'm not afraid of anything except being afraid, then I'm doing what? I'm deceiving myself. I'm believing something that isn't true. And this is how the adversary of the soul influences the world. This is how it torments us. This is how the adversary of our soul torments us. Through the influences of the world and the weaknesses of our flesh. Because if the mind can be tormented with deceptive contact, uh, concepts and ideas, then what will happen? The mind will not be at peace. And the direct opposite of peace is torment. So if I'm seeking consolation because I'm fearful, and someone says, oh, no, you have nothing to fear but fear itself, then have I really been helped? You don't have anything to worry about except worrying. Or does this merely add to my anxiety? Of all the negative emotions, fear is the worst because fear makes right decisions nearly impossible. Fear makes rational thought difficult. Fear makes one susceptible to manipulation, which is what the society does to us, to keep us in fear, keep us off balance. When Adam sinned, the first negative emotion he experienced was fear. And this same spirit of fear invaded the human soul. I talked a lot about fear two Sundays ago when we looked at the yoke of bondage. But consequently, now listen to me. People are gripped with all kinds of fears. Fear of not having enough. 
fear of what others might think, fear of being alone, fear of being different, fear of the world, fear of sickness, fear of danger, fear of the future, fear of fear. And all of these fears stem from one fear, the fear of death. You see, death is more than just the cessation of life. Listen, death is more than the cessation of life. Death is separation. For example, once we have something, what do we do? We fear being separated from it. Or we have expectations and then fear disappointment. There is separation between our expectation and the fulfillment of our expectation because the very fact that we have an unmet expectation means we are separated from what we hope for. We fear not having our needs met because the fact that we're in need means we're separated from necessity. There is separation between what we need and the object that satisfies the need. Some choose not to marry because of the fear of divorce, which is marital death. These fears torment the mind and hold it in bondage. And many spend their entire lives tormented and held in the bondage by the fear of death. The fear of death makes one very insecure, to say the least. But the Bible says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them through who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's right there in the scripture. Who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So the point here is that once you're really saved and begin to understand clearly what the salvation of the Lord is about, you'll then also begin to understand that while the world lives in fear, you don't. Once you understand and believe that Jesus came to completely remove fear from your way of thinking, your life will take a completely different direction. Did you get that? Once you understand and believe that Jesus came to remove fear from your way of thinking, your life will take a completely different direction. Once the devil had the power to torment us with worry, but not anymore. Once the devil had the power to kill us with death, but not anymore. Once the devil had the power to bind us with fear, but not anymore. Why? Because through death, Jesus defeated death and destroyed the devil who had the power of death. And one day, real soon, death is going to experience itself. Death shall die. So, the choice is yours. Once you're really saved... It's yours. That's up to you. You can choose to live in fear and torment according to the world and the weaknesses of your flesh, or you can live in joy and peace. Why not? Why not live in joy and peace according to the salvation of the Lord? There is no valid reason why any of us should live in fear. Fear causes hate. Fear causes weakness. Fear causes irrational thoughts. 
However, through Christ, God sent the promise of the Holy Ghost to supersede the fear, spirit of fear with what? With the spirit of love. To supersede the spirit of weakness in us with the spirit of power. And he sent the spirit of, to super, super, excuse me, and sent the spirit of, of uh, mm, and to supersede the spirit of irrational thinking with the spirit of a sound mind. I'm going to start that over. The Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father sent, uh, sent the spirit, uh, sent, superseded the spirit of fear in us with the spirit of love. Superseded the spirit of fear with the spirit of love. Superseded the spirit of weakness with the spirit of power. And superseded the spirit of irrational thinking with what? A sound mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So by his death, burial, and resurrection, Christ made it possible for every truly born-again believer to supersede the spirit of fear with the spirit of faith. Faith cancels fear and brings hope. Faith cancels fear and brings peace. Faith cancels fear and brings joy. So the point here is that by our faith in the work of God in Christ, we have absolutely nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Not even fear itself. And through his word, the Lord has revealed to us what we can do to live in peace through faith. Through his word, the Lord has revealed to us what we can do to live in peace through faith. Go to Psalm. 34. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. In this text, fear is used in two completely different contexts. There's good fear, reverential awe, being impressed with the greatness of another to the point of deep respect and admiration. And then there's bad fear, the fear of impending doom, disaster, or evil, the condition of being afraid in anticipation of a problem, some sort of discomfort, or a dire situation. Now, as we look at this text, we're going to answer some questions. Who will bless the Lord? Because that's the topic of the, of, the, of the psalm. What does it mean to bless the Lord? When to bless the Lord? Why bless the Lord? And how to bless the Lord? And the answers are in this text. Now, time is not going to permit me to do a thorough exegesis uh, of some of the verses, so I'll skip some of them because I can't do it all. Let's begin. Who will bless the Lord? Who will bless the Lord? I will. I will bless the Lord. I, my soul, my person, my being. I will bless the Lord with my intellect. I'll bless the Lord with my sensibility. And I'll bless the Lord with my will. I'll bless the Lord with my soul. You know why? Because my flesh cannot. My flesh cannot please the Lord. My flesh cannot love the Lord. And in verse 2, he says, my soul will make her boast 
in the Lord. And in Psalm 103, don't go there, but he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, because my flesh cannot bless the Lord. My flesh cannot praise the Lord. All I can do with my flesh is offer it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. But that's another message for another day. But what does it mean to bless the Lord? It means to praise him, to speak words and sing songs that express gratitude and thanks for the things he has done. To bless the Lord means to boast in him. We tell others about the goodness of God. Listen, listen, listen closely. We tell others about the goodness of God. We tell them that, that by living according to his principles, we have a good life. I talked about that last week. God does not give you money. God does not give you a job. God does not give you a car. God does not give you a house. The Bible says, Jesus says, give and men shall give into your bosom. God doesn't have any money. Jesus said, the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So the way you get money and the way you get things is you work for them and you give. That's what it is. You give. Since it's better to give than to receive. He says, he that gives sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that gives bountifully shall reap bountifully. And God has nothing to do with it. Why? Because he set these principles in action. You don't have to name it and claim it and grab it and stab it. All you got to do is give and do what the word of God says. Live according to his principles. And I guarantee you, just as sure as I'm standing here, that built into the word of God is a successful life if you will just live it. That's all you got to do is just live the word of God and you will have a good life. It doesn't mean that there won't be problems caused by other folks. And it doesn't mean that you may stumble and cause some problems of your own. But if you live according to the word of God, I can't say it enough. You are guaranteed to have a good life. Hmm. So we tell people that by living according to his principles, we have a good life. In other words, we have a testimony. We tell others how he keeps us and protects us. How? Through his word. He keeps us and protects us through his word. By, we, by, by us applying his word to, to our lives, we're protected. By applying his word to our lives, we are kept. We are kept by the power of God. Why? Because there's power in his word. His word is alive. His word can keep us if we want to be kept. Hmm. We tell others how the Lord is no respecter of persons and how his benefits are available to everyone. In blessing the Lord, we magnify him. That's why he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So to magnify means to make larger. We magnify the Lord, how? By making him large in our lives. You want to live large? Make him magnify the Lord. You want to live large? I'm living large. How? I'm magnifying the Lord. We put him in in the place of being first and foremost in everything we do. And trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your path. How? According to his word. 
we allow the word of God to dwell richly in our lives. We allow the Holy Ghost to increase his influence in our lives. We, we allow him to lead us and to guide us in our daily lives. How? According to his word. We magnify the Lord by making him the ultimate in our ultimate concern. And because he is the ultimate in our blessing him, the psalmist says we will exalt him. To exalt means to elevate, to lift him up. Now, we know we can't physically lift up the Lord, right? So how do we exalt him? By holding the name of the Lord in high esteem. Nothing gripes me more than to hear someone use Jesus' name in vain or use it as a curse, as a slang. That is extremely offensive to me. We give him preeminence, not putting anything before him. We exalt the Lord by placing him high above anything else in our lives. And nothing is more important to us than Jesus. Nothing should be more important to us than Jesus. Why? Because it was Jesus they whipped all night long. It was Jesus that carried that cross. It was Jesus they nailed to the tree. It was Jesus whose blood came streaming down. It was Jesus who hung his head and died. It was Jesus who descended into hell and set the captive free. It was Jesus who rose on the third day with all power in his hand. He defeated death. He defeated hell. And he defeated the grave. And his name is Jesus. He's our father and his name is Jesus. He's our son. He's our sonship and his name is Jesus. He's the Holy Ghost and his name name is Jesus. There is no name more sacred than the name of Jesus. There is no name more holier than the name of Jesus. There is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Thank you, Noel. And in blessing him, we exalt, without exaltation, we seek him. To seek means to look for something with the anticipation of finding it. Thus, we seek the Lord with optimistic expectation of finding him. We seek the Lord in hope according to his word. And the substance of our hope is faith. So we seek him in hope motivated by faith. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock on my door, I'll open it. If you ask of me, I'll give it. I'm Jesus. I'm your Savior. I'm the lover of your soul. I'm the keeper of your soul. Verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord. He heard me. And did what? Delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. And he heard me. And not only did he hear me, he delivered me from all them fears I talked about earlier. All them fears we talked about in the beginning. So in blessing the Lord, I will praise him because when I looked for him, he allowed me to find him. In blessing the Lord, I will praise him because when I called him, he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So when we bless the Lord, not only do we praise him, not only do we boast in him, not only do we magnify him, not only do we exalt him and seek him, we bless him. Why? Because he has revealed himself to us. That's what he promised. 
That's what he promised. I will reveal myself to you. I will show you myself. And that's what he did. That was his promise. Now, when do we bless the Lord? Have any idea? When, when do we bless the Lord? The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Will is in the future tense. At times mean there is never a moment in my life that I will not bless the Lord. As I look to my future, blessing the Lord will always be in my plans. Hmm. My actions will be to bless the Lord. When? At all times. No matter where I am or what I'm doing, blessing the Lord will be a part of my actions. And as I bless the Lord at all times, I will continually praise him. As I bless the Lord at all times, I will continually boast in him. As I bless the Lord at all times, I will continually magnify him. As I bless the Lord at all times, I will continually seek him. As I bless the Lord at all times, I will continually keep him in my mind. Thou will keep him in perfect peace because his mind is stayed on thee. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So if I bless the Lord at all times and his praise is continually in my mouth, then he will deliver me from all my fears. Well, how does the Lord deliver us from our fears? Well, you can't bless the Lord and be afraid at the same time. We can't bless the Lord and be afraid at the same time. We can't boast in the Lord and be afraid at the same time. We can't magnify the Lord and be afraid at the same time. We can't exalt the Lord and be afraid at the same time. We can't seek the Lord and be afraid at the same time. So when we bless the Lord at all times, we are automatically delivered from all our fears. Blessing the Lord and continually praising him keeps us in a constant state of deliverance from our fears. Did you get that? Blessing the Lord and continually praising him keeps us in a constant state of deliverance from our fears. No matter where we are, elder, we're delivered. No matter what we're doing, we're delivered. No matter how we're feeling in this body, we're delivered. Hmm. That takes us to the next question. Why will I bless the Lord? Why? Why will I bless the Lord? Well, when I bless the Lord at all times and praise him continually, I laud him for his mercy. Look at verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And now he saved him out of all his troubles. Is that what it says? This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. So the Lord had compassion on us in our wretched condition, our wretched and poor condition. We were poor in spirit. We were poor in righteousness. We were poor in holiness. But God, who is rich in mercy, became poor like us so that we could be saved and lifted out of our poor spirits. 
So I will bless the Lord at all times and continually praise him for his mercy. Not only this will I fear the Lord, I will fear him with good fear. I will respect the Lord and revere him. I will admire him and I will appreciate him. Have you ever stuck your finger with a pen? Did it hurt? So imagine being nailed to a cross. Huh. I admire him. I appreciate him. I appreciate his righteousness. And then when I fear the Lord, what does is, uh, what is, uh, verse 7 say? When I fear the Lord, what does verse 7 say? The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Notice, it says the angel, and, and, and in the next phrase, it refers to the angel of the Lord as him. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It says, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So him refers to the subject of the, of the first sentence, the angel of the Lord, and delivereth them. And notice, he says, the angel, singular, preceded by the definite article, which suggests that this is not just one of the heavenly hosts, Sister Lily. According to the workbook of the Old Testament, angel in Hebrew is malak, M-A-L-A-K. Listen what it is. A spirit that advocates and intercedes. A spirit that advocates and intercedes. The book says it's the pre-incarnate Christ. And this definition is consistent with the New Testament that reveals the identity of the spirit that advocates and intercedes. 1 John 2.1, 1 John 2.1, 1 John 2.1. My little children, 1 John 2.1, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I want you to listen. listen, listen. He says we have an advocate with the Father. That is to say, the Father is our advocate. And his name is Jesus Christ. I don't think you got that. He says the Father is our advocate and his name is Jesus Christ. Advocate in the Greek is paraclete. One who comes before, comes forward and in behalf of and as the representative of another. Paraclete. P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E. One who comes before in behalf of and as the representative of another. Now we know that the, the Father is the Spirit of God, right? The Holy Ghost. Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit, capital S, also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for. But the spirit does what? Maketh intercession for the, excuse me, the, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what it is the mind of the spirit, capital S. Why? 
because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Ghost makes intercession for the saints. Those are the ones who fear him with reverential awe. Notice he says he makes intercession for whom? The saints. He makes intercession for the saints. So when I bless the Lord with my soul, when I praise him and fear him, the Holy Ghost will encamp around about me. What does that mean? It means that he'll be in front of me. It means that he'll be behind me. It means he'll be to the left of me. It means he'll be to the right of me. It means he'll be above me and he'll be below me. He will encamp me with his holiness. He'll encamp me with his righteousness. He will encamp me as I bless him. He will bless me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So not only am I protected, my soul is sealed and protected. I'm secured and comforted. I have comfort in the glory of the holiness of the comforter. And then the psalmist sings really loud. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So I will bless the Lord because in blessing him, I will taste him. How do I taste him? How do I taste him? By trusting him according to his word. I taste him by allowing his spirit dwelling in me to direct my path. I taste him through my experience of his word. And in my experience, I discover that the Lord is good. I discover that there is no one like him. Nothing can compare to his goodness. And when I taste him and see that he is good, I trust him. And when I trust him, he promises to bless me and I will know that he will never, ever, ever disappoint me. He will never leave me and he will never forsake me. And all I got to do is trust in his word. Oh, fear the Lord, saints. That's good fear. Reverential awe. Why? For there is no want to them that fear him. There's no want to them that fear him. Because if you live according to his word, you will never suffer lack. If you live according to his word, you cannot suffer lack. If you live according to his word, you cannot suffer lack. If you live according to his word, you cannot suffer lack. So if I respect him, admire him, and appreciate him, I will not worry about having enough. If I fear him, he will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than I can ask or think. What? According to his word. The young lions do lack. And suffer hunger. Because they're young and ignorant. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Is that what it says? Verse 10, Psalm 34, 10. 
The young lions do lack and suffer, suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing because he's going to give you every good thing. And it's not material. It's spiritual. You can have $30 million and be just as miserable as you can be. And you can have $10 and be just as happy and content. So money and material things is not what he gives you. He gives you the things that money can't buy. You can't buy peace. You can't buy hope. You can't buy joy. You can't buy contentment. You can't buy the Holy Ghost. The weak and fearful are tormented, the young lions, with fears and anxieties. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The Lord will give good things to those who bless him at all times and continuously praise him. Well, how will I bless the Lord? You can bore Am I boring you? You can tire? How will I bless the Lord? I'll bless him with good fear. My soul will respect the Lord for his holiness. I'll admire him for his righteousness and appreciate for him for his mercy and his grace. And my soul will have reverential awe for the Lord. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is it that desireth life and loveth days that he may see good? The psalmist says, let me break it down for you and make it plain. Do you want to live a long and good life? Do you want to live a good life, a long and good life? Do you want to experience peace and contentment in all the days of your life? Then he tells you exactly what to do in verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Well, how do we keep our tongues from evil? By blessing the Lord at all times. How do we keep our lips from saying nasty things? The praise of the Lord is in our mouths continuously. How do we show our fear of the Lord? It says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is how we fear the Lord. He says, seek peace and pursue it. And if you seek peace and pursue it, guess what? You will find it. So we depart from evil. We separate ourselves from evil. How? By being born again. That's the only way to separate yourself from evil is by repenting of your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and receiving the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And that completely separates your soul from evil. Then and only then can we do good. And what happens is this changes the level of our awareness so that we are fully cognizant now when our flesh is doing evil. You know when your flesh is doing evil. Yes, you do. You know more than anyone else when your flesh is doing evil. Hmm. And this is how we fear the Lord. This is how we fear the Lord. Instead of being in the middle of some mess, we seek peace. You see, we can't start confusion and be about peace at the same time. That's why we don't have any mess in this church. 
We don't, we don't have any mess. She said this about you. No, she didn't. You're lying. She thinks she's, she thinks she's something. How do you know what she thinks? We don't have any mess in this church. Never have and never will. Never have, never will. So we show fear of the Lord by how we do good and how we seek peace. We pursue it. We go after peace. We proactively engage ourselves in doing good and seeking peace. Why? Sister Cooper, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ear is open unto their cry. So being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost makes us so righteous. And the eyes of the Lord are constantly and continuously on the righteous. And when they call on him, he hears. His eyes and his ears are perpetually attuned to the righteous. The eyes and the ears of the Lord are perpetually, continuously attuned to the righteous. And because we have his righteousness, he is always there. For the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Lord. He's our parakletos, our ever-present help. So when we call, he answers. Remember, when we bless the Lord continually and praise him, we are in a constant state of deliverance. Our deliverance never ends. Our deliverance is complete. So when troubles come, we are not fearful. We're ready to, we're ready because we know that we are delivered. Yes, yes. And we're not just delivered from a few of our trouble, but all of our troubles and from all of our fears. Yes. So we don't fear trouble because we've been delivered from whatever trouble comes. Yes. The flesh is fearful, but the soul is not. And this is our hope. This is our expectation that when trouble comes, we are delivered and we have no fears because we have been delivered from all of our fears. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. So when we bless the Lord with good fear by coming to him with a humble heart of repentance, when we have violated his word, he will forgive us. He promises to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we come to him with a contrite spirit. Yes, sir. Lord, my flesh done got me in a mess again. I know my flesh can't please you, Lord, but my soul can. And Lord, I'm, I'm interceding now for my flesh. Lord, please forgive me for my flesh. Because Lord, you know that in this flesh dwells no good thing. Lord, you know this flesh can't please you, but I sure thank you that I got your spirit dwelling in me. I do have something in me that can please you. And Lord, I thank you. I'm thanking you already for forgiving me for the sins of this nasty flesh that I'm in. And you know what he will do? He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness because he's faithful. He is faithful. We are truly sorry for, Lord, I'm sorry that I offended you with my flesh. And he says, I know. That's why I went to the cross. That's why I went to the cross, because I know it's hard to live in this wicked and evil world, especially when you're in wicked and evil flesh. But I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. My blood covers your soul. I cover your soul. 
I have compassion on you in your weaknesses and in your infirmities. I know all about it. And I nailed it all to the cross. I nailed it all to the cross. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know why? Because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Yes, afflictions will come. Jesus says in this world we will have trouble. Because we live in a sinful world. We need not fear these afflictions though. We have the Holy Ghost. We are the righteous ones. We've been delivered from all of our troubles. It's how you perceive it. It's where it is in your mind. We're delivered now from the law of sin. We're delivered from the fear of death. We're delivered from the power of the devil. Why? For the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust him shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the souls of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. You will not be empty. You will not be void because you're filled with the fullness of him. You're filled with the fullness of his love. You're filled with the fullness of his peace. You're filled with the fullness of his joy. You're filled with the fullness of his righteousness. You're filled with the fullness of him. And you being filled with him, you are now complete in him and you are lacking nothing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We're servants of the Lord. We are really saved. We are really, really saved. Even though we got a a body of flesh that's as crazy as it can be, our souls are saved and we got the mind of Christ, which means, you know what? You can't lose your mind. You cannot lose your mind. Hmm. Hmm. Two Sundays ago, by 11 o'clock at night, I was handcuffed and in the psych ward. At JPS. But I realized while I was there, because there was a young lady that wanted to commit suicide. And I really talked to her. And really talked to her. And, and they let her out. They let her go. And then they let me go. Because they realized that I was not a harm to myself and I was not a harm to my wife. But sometimes things just, yeah, sometimes things just overwhelm you. They just overwhelm you. But I thank God that he kept me. I almost let go. I felt like I just couldn't take it anymore. But God kept me so I wouldn't let go. 
He kept me so I wouldn't let go. So I'm here today to tell you that he kept me. God kept me. The Holy Ghost kept me. He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I will not leave you desolate. I will not leave you desolate. I will not leave you defenseless. I'm your comforter. I'm the lover of your soul. I'll put my arms around you and keep you in my power. I'll never let you go. What can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. Can trouble separate me? No. Can fear separate me? Can, can agony separate me? Can depression separate me? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. 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 We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We've been sanctified. We've been justified. We're his purchased possession. We're, he said, I'll not, we can't, nothing can pluck you out of my hand and nothing can pluck you out of my Father's hand. No one takes away what the Father has given me. Hallelujah. 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 We're his royal priesthood. We're his holy nation. We're the children of light. We're the people of God who has been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. David said it. I almost slipped. Oh, but he caught me. And you've heard me say that before. You might slip, but he won't let you fall. You might slip, but he won't let you fall. Yeah. This, I tell you, this flesh is weak. This flesh is weak. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for his keeping power. We trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And we are fully persuaded that he will never leave us or make us ashamed. His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will be with him in trouble because he knows my name. You can find yourself in some dark places. You can find yourself in some dark places. Oh, but your soul is in the light of life. And we are never, ever, ever without hope. We are never without hope because the God of hope dwells in us. So we will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in our mouths. We will magnify the Lord and exalt his name together. We will boast in the Lord. We will seek him. We will fear him. We will trust him. We will taste and see that he is good. And according to his word, he will keep us blameless until the day of redemption. And we know this is true. We know this is true. 
Therefore, with exceeding joy and confidence, you and I can say, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let's give the Lord some praise. Let's give him some praise. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the strength of your word. We thank you for the joy and peace that is in your word. Your word is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer? All right. Questions or comments?